Good morning, welcome to Breakfast with the Beak. I am your host, Johnny Goodtimes. Joining me is my sidekick. Hey, I'm Dr. Eisenberg. Good morning, Big Next. Good morning, Johnny. Good morning, Doc. Welcome to the bunker. Indeed. The breakfast bunker. The breakfast bunker. Are we going to cut right to the point this week? We are cutting right to the fucking point this week. This is a special episode. We're not rolling a topic. We are, however, using a topic sent in by a fan... Okay, yeah. And that topic is, because we're just going to get right to it, top of the show, boom. Let's do it. How to pad your post-apocalyptic resume, submitted by Cassie in Sultan, Washington. Thank you, Cassie. Uh, speaking of signs of the apocalypse, by the way, yeah. we should just point out Cassie is the uh, now president of our fan club. Holy and shit. The fact that we have a fan club, I don't get, because I don't feel likable. Yeah, I'm but, uh, not likable. I say terrible things about people that I I don't even know. If you're a fan of Breakfast with the Beak and want to interact with other fans of Breakfast with the Beak, our fan club is at beaknicks.com. We're not affiliated with it, but uh, Cassie's in charge, and do whatever you guys are going to do. Yeah, man. I mean, there's... I mean, I know there's only, like, about 15 of you guys, but go nuts. Yeah. You know, have a little party. Sure. Whatever. What the hell ever, man. Yeah. I don't care. I, have fun. Do yeah. whatever, yeah. But, um, uh, but, but okay, padding your post-apocalyptic resume. Now, that's a solid topic. Yeah. However. Yes. However. The it, reason, there's baggage. There's baggage. The reason we've singled it out mm. is because, well, for two reasons. Okay. First, we have had so many apocalypse topics. We have. I've got a list here. Yes, yeah. uh, we did compile a list earlier. You've got that right here. Let's so. just, just go over it. There's a long and rich history of... Because this show is fan-submitted topics, indeed, uh, it turns out a lot of you are really into end-of-the-world scenarios. Now, we started this ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, in episode 9, back in May of 2011, Yes, uh, because of Harold Camping, we did an entire episode where we uh, counted down to his rapture. Which, of course, did not happen, and right, here right. we are. Is he, picked a, he picked a time. It's 6 p.m. on a Saturday. Yeah. So, of course, we waited it out and made fun of him. Um, Rightly so, it turned out. Absolutely. Yeah. But then, episode 37, in uh, December of 2011, uh, Trevor asked us to discuss the zombie apocalypse. Pretty self-explanatory. Yeah, I know. Yeah. It, it, it was big back then. Yeah. Yeah. Um, then, very soon after, in episode 40, uh, December, uh, Christmas, in fact, of 2011, uh, Ashley asked us to talk about Giant Baby in the po- post-apocalyptic dystopia. Yes, and uh, that was our band, and what would we do in the post-apocalypse? Yeah, so you guys already know that. Yeah. Um, episode 55 in April of 2012, Ashley again asked us to choose your own dystopia. Which we did. We did, and we yeah. talked about young adult literature, etc. Yes. Uh, yeah. Hunger Games. Hunger yeah. Games was big that week. So. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It was a good week to do that. And then, episode 79, in September of this year, Nick asked to discuss Ragnarok. Which we did, and we we really tried our damnedest with uh, the, all the names. Yeah, really, the, the coolest of apocalyptic scenarios yeah. is the one the Vikings made up. Yeah, so, because yeah. Vikings. Right. Yeah. So, this, uh, this coming week is the whole... Mayan 2012 thing. Yes. Um. And and we took we promised earlier in the year we would go over that at yeah. the appropriate time. And we've got Cassie's topic. And I feel like you and I have discussed this. We've decided this is the end of apocalyptic topics on the show. Yeah. <laughs> we've fucking covered it. Okay. Yeah. Like if you have one that we haven't covered, it's like oh you haven't done the Book of Revelation or. Oh, you haven't done nuclear war. That one's not actually very funny. But uh, yeah, 
Whatever. You know what? Too bad. Fuck it. No, we've covered it. Yeah, okay? I feel like we're done. Moratorium yeah. on apocalypse topics. Because yeah. we've done so many of them. Yeah. You people can't get enough, and yet we have gotten enough. I think we've done plenty. We've recorded many hours on this yes. on this uh, uh, tableau. Indeed, okay? yes. Yeah. And look, if there are ever any more preachers that need to be made fun of... We'll be there. We'll take care of it. Yeah. You don't... We know to make fun of, of preachers prophesying nonsense. Indeed. We're on it. Yeah. Believe no. me. I mean, so. We do that in our spare time. <laughs> we, if nobody's doing it, we'll make up a new preacher. You know? Yeah. Like a fake one and just make fun of him. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. yeah, no, we we have got it covered, but at the same time, you guys so, yeah. don't need to send us those anymore. Yeah, no more apocalypse topics. We're going to get is... like 20 of them after this. I know. The, our fans are dicks. <laughs> <laughs> well, so are we, and that's why we get along so well. That's why they love us. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah, it's yeah. symbiotic. It is. Okay, how do we want to start this? I think we want to start this by addressing... Uh, the actual topic. Okay. Because, yeah, the second reason we're doing it this week is because, you know, Mayan Apocalypse coming up, and we're going to get to that. Mm-hmm. But addressing the actual topic, how to pad your post-apocalyptic resume. Okay. All right. I'm going to say, uh, number one, mm-hmm. learn how to take care of cows and chickens. Okay. Animal husbandry. Animal, Animal husbandry. Farming. Yeah. Sure. Because uh, once you got your cows and your chickens, uh-huh. I don't know if flour goes bad. I've never had so much of it. That I just was able to let it go bad. I've never had like a thousand pounds of flour that I had to work through. You know, I feel like generally you're more at risk of uh, parasites getting into yes, yeah, flour rats. beetles and so forth. Yeah, rats and beetles and whatnot. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But flour itself, I don't know if it goes bad. I feel like even if it goes bad, it's still pretty good. You know, could probably still make something. Yeah, out of it. I mean, it's not going to kill you. Right. You know? So really, once you've got your your cows and your chickens handled, mm-hmm. then you've got your milk and your eggs. Okay. And that opens up, you know, a whole world of food for you to cook. All right, sure. And then you've got the comforts of home. Okay. You know, then you've got your ingredients. And, and you know, it, it's not just, oh, we're living off spam from now on, you know? All right. Because the spam's only going to last so long. I'm gonna I'm gonna go a little more basic here and say that your 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 primary skill needs to be uh, resourcefulness and uh, kind of innovation, right? Your your MacGyvering skills. MacGyver skills. It's exactly what I was about to say. Yeah. Because a, a post-apocalyptic scenario, there are so many of them, mm-hmm. you don't really know what to expect, what the factors are going to be, and yeah. you you really have to improvise on the fly. That's true. You know what I mean? Like. Maybe there are a lot of machines at your disposal, and you just have to work out how to like make the most useful. Yeah. Um, maybe everything's wiped out, but you happen to have farmland. Now that's yeah. that's where your you know farming and whatnot comes in handy. But you know maybe you have to just roam around a depopulated landscape and get really good at, at foraging, at looting. Oh, no. You know? Foraging and looting are definitely big skills on this list. I mean, if 90% of the population is wiped out by some disaster, yeah. the food uh, uh, littered throughout the U.S. in, like, just convenience stores and Walmarts and stuff, mm-hmm. it's enough for you to live off a lifetime. Well, if it doesn't go bad. A lot of it's in cans. Well, a lot of it's in cans. I mean, even and... cans. I mean, like, you ever find an old can in the basement, like, and it's five years old and it's already started to kind of bulge? Right, but yeah. if you don't have medical attention, you're probably only going to live another 20 or 30 years. Anyway. That's fair. No, I mean, that's fair. I mean, you've got your specific skills. Like, if you're a doctor, that's always going to be valuable in any scenario. Oh, yeah, no. But it depends on the doctor, right? 
Because you in a, an apocalyptic scenario, a doctor needs basic like triage skills. That's true. Advanced neurosurgery probably not going to have a chance to come up. Well, okay, that's that's fair. Yeah, right? No, I mean it, it's true. If somebody needs a brain transplant or whatever those guys do, uh, we're probably just going to be like we can do without that guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We... Realist. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> I but assume no, you're too far gone for that. Yeah. 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 I mean, but yeah, you're, you're basic trash. But at the same time, you know, depending on the kind of doctor, it's like, you know, if it's the apocalypse uh-huh. and all we've got is a large animal vet. Right. You know, I don't care if I'm not a horse. You know, I'm, I'm letting this guy cut me up because I've got all the same basic parts as a horse. Oh, yeah, you're you both mammals. Yeah. 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 You can still set a bone or disinfect a wound. Yeah. I, oh, I mean, maybe not a horse because it's a bad metaphor to use. Because horses, you just shoot. <laughs> <laughs> People rarely take the time to mend a horse's broken leg. Yeah, no. That horse gets shot. <laughs> okay. But, like, you know, cows or elephants or whatever, other animals that large animal vets deal with, you know? Cats. That's not a large animal. No, but it's an animal. Well, yeah, it's still a mammal. You're right. It's got arms and legs and a face. You're right. Basically, any vet, whatever, proctologist, if he knows if he knows where to point the scalpel and it's not the butt, fine. You know? <laughs> I mean, the proctologist remembers that the rest of the body is there. He doesn't just go out in the world and see nothing but asses. I mean, Before you specialize in butts, you have to learn basic medicine. Yeah. Right? Yeah, you know, no, you, you don't get... You don't skip... They don't let you skip the chapter on what the heart is yeah. or what blood does. There's no just proctology college, okay? Yeah. That's an advanced specialization. It's like you don't get to college, you don't get to med school on the first day and the professor's like, okay, students, I'm going to explain why blood needs to stay inside you. And then a hand shoots up in the back of the class, no, no, I'm just doing butts. Uh, <laughs> I, can, I don't need to be here. <laughs> That doesn't happen. That's not how med no. school works. No. We, they all learn why blood needs to stay inside you. I think even a dentist has to learn the basics. Yeah, no, because you, you cut a hole in any part of the body, the mouth, whatever. I mean, you because know, dentists, they're working inside the mouth. They've got scalpels and stuff sometimes. They have to know to not cut the tongue, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. You know, don't cut up the lips. Totally. Yeah, that's basic shit. Yeah. So, yeah, if you want to pad your resume for the apocalypse, I guess be a doctor or be good at talking doctors into stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's the thing. I mean, to to thrive in the post-apocalypse, I mean, yes, there will be a need for specialists. Your uh, your doctors, your auto mechanics, and so forth. That's a good one. Do you remember in the movie Army of Darkness when Bruce Campbell gets sent back into medieval times? Yeah. And he gets sent back with a Chevy, yeah. right? And then not only does he have to fix the Chevy, but he also goes to the blacksmiths and makes himself that mechanical replacement hand. Mm -hmm. Like, basic mechanical know-how. Yeah. Because medieval times are not that different from a post-apocalyptic scenario. A lot of stuff doesn't work that we're used to. Yeah. So, if you know how to repair machines, know how to tinker, that kind of thing, that's going to be very useful. And I think just even if you're all, you you don't know your way around cars necessarily, right? Well, who cares? It's the apocalypse. the The roads, the highways, are clogged with thousands of cars full of dead people. That's true. You so, can uh, scavenge. Well, yeah, you can scavenge, or you can just bypass it completely and get a bike. Okay, sure. Or a motorcycle. You know, something that can kind of weave in between 
the the clogs of cars all over the. Oh, you mean in like a, a a Walking Dead scenario where a, you can't really use most of the roads? A Walking Dead scenario. Uh, I'm actually thinking of the stand where it, there's no zombies. It's just a bunch of people are dead from the plague. Mm-hmm. And so, like, yeah, it's just the the roads are swarmed with all these abandoned cars and. Most of them have dead people in them. And so it's like, oh, hey, we fixed this car. Great. We can't fucking go anywhere. We have to stop every five feet and clear cars out of the way with our hands. It's not practical. Got to reach over these dead people and put them all into neutral and push them. (laughs) Yeah, I can see that would be a problem. Yeah, no, fuck that. Get bikes. Okay. Learn how to fix bikes. Also useful. Learn how to fix and, and maintain and use a lot of shit that doesn't require power. Yeah. Yeah. Because the power grid's going to be fucked in any apocalyptic scenario. But also, uh, if you can, learn about uh, other ways of generating power. Oh, yeah, Um, yeah. Because on a small scale, you may not have access to, like, solar cells, but you can build a water wheel. You can build a water wheel. And more than that, I mean, you can pry solar cells off of rich, dead people's roofs. Sure. Yeah. Um, Also, steam is always viable. I mean, all you have to do to make a steam engine is burn shit. That's true. There's not going to be enough people left to seriously pollute anything. No, yeah. no. I mean, there would be an abundance of trees, coal, whatever. Yeah, I mean, who, know, who's using point. the coal, you know? Yeah, exactly. I mean, frankly, if you've got a decent-sized building mm-hmm. and some steam engines, yeah. you can set up a nice little secure compound for a community of people. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Powering a tiny village takes a lot less effort than powering a planet of 7 billion people. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean... Really, like, basic know-how of how to do things Yeah, is, is important. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think, yeah, fixing bikes is... is I, I, that one, to me, just seems like the key. Okay. Partly because it's something I know how to do. You remember when Arthur Dent crash-landed on that planet and he realized he didn't know how anything worked? Like, yeah. he didn't even know how to make, like, a pen? Yeah. Like, the only f- skill he had was making sandwiches? Exactly. And it worked out, but, like, if he had had some mechanical know-how, he could have taught them how to build, like, a power plant. Yeah. Or, or a bike or whatever. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, a bicycle is fairly basic, and it's something that I know how to build, or at least know how to fix or build from parts. Yeah. So it's like, I'd like to think that'll matter in the <laughs> apocalypse, because I'm ready for it. Okay, You sure. know, and, yeah. like... Like, there was that book that guy put out, the, the Toaster Project or whatever it was called. Uh-huh. And it was a guy who... He basically took, you know, the toaster as sort of the symbol of civilization. Okay. Cheap, disposable, yet way more complex than most people even can begin to comprehend. All right. And he wanted to build... And the project was he was going to build a toaster, not just... It's just a heated coil. Well, the thing is, he wasn't just going to buy all the parts. Uh Uh-huh. He was going to start from zero and forge the metal and refine the plastic. Ah. as, as though on a desert island, but with nothing but the resources of nature at his disposal. Okay. And he was going to, from bare resources mined from the bosom of the earth, uh-huh. create a toaster. Okay. And he said it worked for about two seconds before <laughs> completely frying. Oh. Just completely blowing out. Yikes. <laughs> But yeah, you already have bread. Well, you can build a campfire and get a stick and toast the bread over an open flame. Oh yeah, no, I mean if you have if you have bread and and wire, yeah, don't use that wire to build the toaster. Use that wire to build a little cage shaped like a piece of bread so that you get an even toast. 
across the bread. You yeah, know? totally. Like, there's <laughs> so ways, it doesn't flop around. There's ways around yeah. the toaster if necessary. Hell, make it double thick so you can put two pieces of bread and a little cheese in there. You yeah. Know? You can grill up a grilled cheese there over you go. a fire. Yeah. At that point, it's harder to get the bread and the cheese than to cook it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean... Well, that's another thing I know how to do is make cheese. That's very useful. We talked about this on the show. You know, uh-huh. one day I got bored and I looked up on the internet, how do you make cheese? Right. And I found out, and then I made some cheese. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah, that's it's, when I learned that cheesecloth is actually for cheese. Yes, it is. I never knew what that word meant. Yeah, that's, yeah. you use it to make cheese. Yeah. You use it for other stuff, too, but you can use it to make cheese. That's where the name derives from. Yes. Yeah. And uh, and so I made some cheese. And it was very simple. It didn't have, you know, proper rennet or anything in it. It was just uh, some milk and some buttermilk and some, some acid, in this case, just lemon juice. And then you dump it out, and you've got cottage cheese, and then you squeeze it out, and you've got one step better from cottage cheese, you know? But here, here's the larger point. This is this was in an apartment in Brooklyn, New York, okay? Yes. He was able to acquire the necessary materials. Cheese is a thing you can learn how to make in your own urban home. Yes. Yeah. You don't need to go to a special factory or yeah, anything. Yeah, yeah. You don't, need, you don't need a cheese factory. You don't need cheese equipment. I needed a, a pot, a, a colander... Uh, some cheesecloth and some string, and uh, access to the ingredients, all of which are available very cheap at the grocery store. Right. And so, yeah, I mean, and then it's just a matter of getting buttermilk, which I'm pretty sure is just the stuff left over after you make butter. There you go. And I know how to make butter, so. (laughs) You're set. You're good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I I think in the apocalypse, you're the chef. I would love that role, actually. Actually, yeah. Because that, I would be the guy keeping the community together, you know? Like, oh, you want in to our compound? You want to join? Uh, bring me some carrots for the stew. Oh, there yeah, you go. You know? Yeah, very nice. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. and, and you know, because I'm the guy keeping the comforts of home intact, you know, keeping the sanity of the old world. We don't need zombie death matches, Mr. Governor, okay? Yeah. We just need some good old fucking home cooking yeah. and some coffee. And in the post-apocalypse, the coffee's going to be shit. But it's going to be hot, and it's going to be black, and it's going to give you a buzz, and that's all you need. <laughs> yeah. You know, we'll settle for that. <laughs> yeah, we don't need flavored creamer in the apocalypse. No. It's okay. If anything, toughen up a little. But yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. like, frankly, I don't know the first thing about making chocolate from from, from the beans. Right. From the, the cacao, you know? Yeah. I don't know where to begin with that skill. Well, we don't have the plants... In our particular hemisphere, no. So if we can't import that, um, no more chocolate other than the stuff you can forage from yeah. the various, you know, sitcoms. Yes. Yeah. The hell, if we want to go get that, yeah. You know what we'd have to do? What? You know what we'd have to become? What? Men of the sea. Men. <laughs> <laughs> very nice. Very nice. That's another option in the post-apocalypse. Maybe uh, you get a ship and yeah. sail. I mean, because in the post-apocalypse. You know, communication's going to be all fucked up because yeah. infrastructure's going to be all fucked up. Sure. If we have no power here and no communications here, yeah. we don't really know if the rest of the world is as fucked as we are. Maybe England's doing great. That's, that's yeah, that's an interesting idea. You know, get on a boat. Maybe you don't want to build a new village. Maybe you want to sail. Yeah. There's nothing stopping you. Go sail. You got your fish. Yeah. You know, probably some kind of desalination business going on. Yeah, you got to learn about salting meats. 
Oh, you uh, sure do. So that's an important skill too. That's actually a skill that's just generally useful in the post-apocalypse after you've you know killed an elk. Especially if you don't have refrigerators. Which you probably won't. I mean, you've got a little igloo cooler. You can't fit an elk in that. It's tiny. Yeah. You know? so. uh, one other one other important thing in the post-apocalypse is you need to be in good shape because you're going to have to walk a lot yeah. and probably carry a lot. Ooh, but the yeah. thing is, that's self-correcting because if you're not in good shape when the uh, apocalypse starts... You're going to shape up or you're going to die. Exactly. Yeah, one or the yeah. other. Physical fitness is going to happen just in yeah. the cause of survival. Yeah, I mean, you're going to have to be climbing a lot of ladders and shit, so, yeah, yeah it's just going to come up. Yeah. I assume you're going to have to be climbing a lot of ladders based on video games. Okay. Yeah, because... I have no problem with that. It just always comes up. Yeah, climbing's fun. Yeah. Yeah, so learn how to make things. Really just keep an open mind. Yeah. Uh, you know, try to try to see what you can do with the things available. Of course, this is all presuming that, that humans... And indeed, the universe itself is going to be there after the apocalypse. Right. I mean, if it's not, obviously you don't need to pad your resume for that. This is presuming that there is an apocalypse. There is an apocalypse, yes. Which is uh, uh, never been the case thus far. Yeah, you're right. Um, <laughs> we'd remember that. Or rather, we wouldn't, because we wouldn't have been born because of the apocalypse. Well, the thing is, the human race has survived as long as there has been a human race. Um, there's been no world-ending event uh, for all the things that came before us, right? Yeah. I mean, like, the dinosaurs died out, but the world didn't end with them. Yeah. You know? Like, okay, yeah, it got a big, it got a big dent put in it by a comet or whatever. Yeah. But, but, again, you know, the Earth carried on. Exactly. And the mammals carried on. Yeah, there's been, there's, there's never really been an actual end of the world, because, and yeah. there's... No likelihood that it will be. However, however, it's a big topic this week. People it is a big topic. Talking this week about this shit all year. People have been talking about this shit all century thus far. Yeah, yeah, um, and longer. But it really kicked into high gear. What with you know Y two K not killing us, right? People were like, "What's the next plausible apocalypse?" And somehow this won that lottery. Okay, and I wouldn't call this a plausible apocalypse, but. Uh, would you like to go over the details, or shall I? Uh, let's talk a little bit about the Mayans. Let's talk about them Mayans. Okay. Because that's what this week is uh, happening, yeah. So, so there, there, there is a little bit of historical significance with the Mayan calendar currently. But it has nothing to do with the apocalypse, okay? It has to do with the coming of the end of the 13th Baktun, Okay. A bak- oh, well, that's self-explanatory. A, okay. bak- a baktun is a unit of uh, a measurement, which is equal to 144,000 days. Which comes out to? Uh, roughly 400 years. Roughly 400 years. Uh, it's what's called the Mayan long calendar. They just had yeah. multiple systems of calendars. Yeah. Uh, just different ways of having units of measurement. I mean, we have a millennia, yeah, we which have, is a thousand years. And then we've got a century under that, and a decade under that, and a year under that. It's because, yeah, now, a year is obviously the rotation, or the yeah. uh, planet going around the sun. Well, yeah. You know, but everything else is just, we like to count by tens. Yeah, but a year is also as small as you can get before, you know, the the, the grace of the metric system starts breaking down. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no. Uh, <laughs> years are based on obser- observation of the movement of the planet. Yeah, it's like we, you know, the Earth spins around about 365 times and the time yeah. it takes to get around the sun. So. Everything else, we just like tens. Yeah. Okay. The Mayans, for whatever reason, like to count big, huge chunks of days. Well, good for them. So, their biggest one was 144,000 days. Now, what actually happens 
on the day following the last day of the 13th Bakhtun. Okay. It's the first day of the 14th Bakhtun. That's it. Really? Yeah. What? I thought it stopped at 13. No. Why would it stop at 13? I don't know. I thought maybe it starts over at 1. No, let's just have another one. Okay. You can have as many Bakhtuns as you want. I, I didn't know that. I thought, like, you know, I thought, like, the 13th Bakhtun was, like, super December. And after that, it just starts over with January, you know? No, no. You just have the next Bakhtun. It's like the the first for December, right? Right. Well, the the if you I did the math, and if you count back to the first day of the first Bakhtun, uh-huh. it just means they think the as of currently, yeah, the world is five thousand one hundred twenty five years old. Well, that's uh, not old enough. Well, it's the same as your you know biblical creationist myth. Who think the Earth is about six thousand and four years old? Exactly. Yeah. It's it's just they're calculating back to the beginning of like you know agriculture. Exactly. Yeah. It's like oh man. You know, like, oh, this is right around the time that we started, you know, remembering things and talking about stuff and not just grunting and pointing. Yeah. I guess there couldn't have been anything before that because nobody wrote it down. Right, right. Uh, the thing that a lot of these ancient cultures have Fucking in common... Fucking lazy cavemen. <laughs> <laughs> the thing these ancient cultures all have in common, and yes, I'm including Christians in that, not current living ones. You know what I mean. The people they've, been who around, the, they've been around for a while. The yeah. people who wrote the books... Yeah. The, they, they they can't really conceive of a world before humans, like modern humans. And Mayan legend, from the, what I was able to glean, is that the gods uh, constructed three Earths prior to this, and they all sucked, and all they destroyed right. them. And then the fourth one was good enough to put people on. Okay. So, whatever. So, this dates, the, the dates back to the... When the gods built the fourth earth. Okay. Okay, so whatever. Yeah. So, so like, the first three ones, were they out for any specific number of Bakhtuns, or...? I don't know. Okay. Yeah. I, like, it's just... Those ones don't matter, because they didn't have people. Pretty much. Ha! <laughs> fuck you, Earth! Yeah. Like, maybe, other Earth? Yeah, maybe there was one with dinosaurs. Maybe there was one with centaurs. I don't know. Oh, man. I, I want to see the centaur one. It's gone now. Well, I know, but it sounds like it must have been sweet. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there there are two known tablets Ooh, that... or lizard men. Anyway. <laughs> there are two known tablets of uh, archaeology... Uh, known to modern archaeology. Uh, one was found in Mexico, uh, which dates back to about 669 AD. Well, that's pretty old. And that... That's more than three Bakhtuns old. <laughs> Correct. You're learning. Um, but uh, all it says, and now it makes a prophecy about the, uh, this, let's say Friday. Okay. This is the, this is the, on Friday, the god uh, Bolanyaktiku is uh, supposed to come back. Um, they don't say much about who that is. It's just one of the gods. Did, do they have, did, did anyone else say anything about who he is? Uh, they say not much is known. About Bolanyaktiku. He's one of the gods. So I don't know if it has any more significance than Harold Camping saying Jesus is going to come back last May. Well, I mean, like, is it like, is he like a Quetzalcoatl, like he's a big feathery serpent god? Or is he like a Zeus where he just looks like a guy? He's one of seven gods on a vase. He's got a big headdress. So he's got a head. Yeah, he's kneeling. He looks like a dude. See, there's a picture. Oh, that just looks like some guy. Yeah. I mean, he's not an attractive guy, but that's just how they drew people. He's just not on a carving on a vase. Yeah, he's just some guy. Yeah, it's not a giant bird demon. Yeah, like, unless he is wearing that outfit, we're not going to know it's him. No, no. (laughs) Yeah, if a guy named... And and this uh, this was the carving found in Mexico. So, yeah, if some... 
you know, Mexican guy shows up in New York and he says, I am Bolognati, I'm back. He's like, all right, hi, let's see yeah, your visas. Yeah, you know. he, I'm back. See, see, admirable, human spirit. Yeah. Even after, you know, our unfair immigration policy threw him out, he comes back. I just yeah. hope Bolognati doesn't come back to, uh, in Arizona. Oh, that would not work out for him. Then he's going to do with Sheriff Arpaio. Yeah, Sheriff Joe. Yeah. Yeah, and that guy is into some kinky shit. He is. He's Arpaio was messed the fuck up. He is fucked up, yeah. (laughs) The other carving was found this year in Guatemala. Okay. Wow. And this is the good one. Oh, shit, yeah, man. This this is not a prophecy, not in the strictest sense. Uh, This is actually, it tells the story of a king named Jaguar Paw. Jaguar Paw. Jaguar Paw. As in a Jaguar's Paw. Mayans had kick-ass names. No, no, you're correct about that. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if it's some peculiarity with certain uh, aspects of the written or spoken language being lost, or if the names themselves are just a real pain in the ass to pronounce or what. Yeah. But a lot of Aztec and Mayan names, are just they just translate them to the English. Yeah. So it's like you get stories about guys named, like, you know, Small Bag of Rocks, or, you know, pile of knives that need to be sharpened. Or It's like Grummel's. It's awesome. Yeah. 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 So... And, and sometimes they append numbers. So you get stories about, like, a tiger and his brother, 32 bag of rocks. <laughs> and I swear to God. It's pretty sweet. Yeah, no. I mean, I'm sure it's, I, I'm sure it's beautiful in the original whatever the language was. But yeah, yeah, yes. To our to our savage ears, it sounds quite awkward. As far as we know, his name is Jaguar Paw. Jaguar Paw. So okay. King Jaguar, he was the king of something. Uh, king was, Jaguar Paw. He was a king. That's a badass uh, thing for a guy named Jaguar Paw to be. He was not a good king. He was very unpopular. He lost a very important battle. Okay. Well, and he was at risk of not losing an election, but being overthrown, basically being put out of office. Yeah. He goes on a publicity tour, right? <laughs> I that, shit you not. You're, this is the term that he used? <laughs> well, this is the well, term that the archaeological article used. They do like to they do like to have a little fun with that, archaeologist. Uh, yeah. You gotta make your own fun when you're brushing dust off of bones all day. But, yeah, the distinct impression I get is it's basically like a political campaign. Wowie. Yeah. Okay. This is shameless of him. Let's find out about fucking Jaguar Romney. Okay. Uh, <laughs> So he had a nickname for himself, okay? He was calling himself the 13 Cartoon Lord. Now, a cartoon is a smaller unit of measurement. It comes down to about uh, 7,200 days. Okay. Which is like 20 years. That is a... So he yeah, is, you're right. That is around 20 years. Yeah, he's the, the king of the cartoon. Why, I noticed that about 20 of those add up to a Bachtoon. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so... Um, but so, yeah, his slogan, yeah. literally his slogan was 13 Cartoon Lord, basically meaning, you know, don't kick me out, I want to keep being king. I shall be king for the next 13 of these things, As or at least my influence will extend. This will be a right to last a thousand years or whatever. As the campaign went on, yes. he started he started getting people to call him the 13 Baktoon Lord. Like, come on, I'm just going to be your king all the time. I'm great. That kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, the tablet, as far as I know, doesn't say what happened to Jaguar Paw, if he was successful or if he was just lynched in the street one day. Like, we don't seem to know that. History doesn't seem to know how long Jaguar Paw was successful or not successful. Yeah. But uh, you get the feeling he was a Romney type. Like, people did not like this guy. <laughs> 
But the point is, the 13 Bakhtun thing, this was no more significant than fucking uh, Al Gore having Don't Stop Thinking About Tomorrow playing at his campaign rally. Okay? <laughs> it is meaningless. It's just his slogan. It's just, it's just some shit he made up and it stuck. Yeah. Yeah. And this is the other major tablet uh, about... What's happening on Friday? So what you're saying is earlier this year, yeah. they found basically the Rosetta Stone of bullshit. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> they found a, a, a 1,400-year-old campaign flyer. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and they didn't bother saying to everyone, hey, everyone. The reason you think uh, getting to 13 Bakhtuns is important is because of this guy. <laughs> No, this was put out. I mean, this was a major news item that was largely ignored. Well, the good ones always are. Yeah, yeah. It no. was an election year. This was freely released information. Yeah, no. I, I'm not could. saying it was covered up. The Vatican has nothing to hide here. Yeah, no. But, uh, but uh, not many people paid much attention to it. No. That's, yeah. So the Mayans basically say, fuck all. A king told some lies, and then uh, some dude... Some minor god is going to come back and go, what's up? All right. So that's the Mayan point of it. The thing is, like, because this is flimsy, but because it's a weird ancient date, yeah. a lot of people are, you know, as people tend to do, oh, yeah. just add random crap to it. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, Terrence McKenna is sort of the famous one where he's like, he was trying to add up, you know, he was trying to find coincidences and, and synchronicities and stuff between the technological singularity and some kind of unleashing of human psychic potential. And he was on a lot of shrooms. Uh, yeah, well, there's Time Wave Zero. Uh, well, was what's the, that? It's the thing he calculated. McKenna did a lot of shrooms, right? That's what I said. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, had an epiphany about um, what, he, what he calls novelty theory. Okay. And novelty, from what I was able to glean, was that uh, uh, the universe has a, an ever-increasing uh, novelty factor, and when it reaches a certain point, uh, uh, time wave zero, there's a... a, a the, it's a lot of druggy nonsense. Yeah. But... <laughs> It, it reaches some kind we of run like, out of we run out of new shit. Yeah, yeah, basically, and and the point is that at the kind of apex of time wave zero, everything in the universe happens at once, or everything that can possibly happen happens at once. It's like a moment, and he called it a singularity, but he didn't use the term singularity the right way. Okay, that we know of the way we use it now. Yeah, well, that's not the right way either. It's technically just the thing in the middle of a black hole. Well, that's a, that's an astronomical singularity. Well, yeah, yeah, that's, and the technological that's, singularity is just using the astronomical singularity as a metaphor. Well, that's when computers become more complex than the minds that design them can comprehend. And the theory behind that, which was coined in the 1950s, was that we can't predict what will happen after that point. Yeah, not because something cosmic or metaphysical will happen. Yeah, just because if we can build computers that are beyond. What we can understand, yeah. we don't know what they will do. That's fair. Right? And yeah. that's just artificial intelligence science fiction stuff. Yeah. And that probably will happen, because yeah. we keep building better and better computers. That's fair. So, the singularity is fine. The singularity is not going to happen on Friday. No, because it's just not going to be that close to Christmas. Well, no. People with real jobs yeah. have the week off. Yeah, whoever's inventing the computer that's going to do this is going to have that day off. Yeah. Yeah. 
It's, you know, and we probably are not technologically that advanced yet. Yeah, we, I mean, like, again, it, even if somebody's right on the verge of inventing it, he's going to be like, this can fucking wait till January. Yeah, yeah, quantum so, computing is, you know, yeah. yeah. But, but, yeah, so, what I've noticed is every time you get someone, especially from the, you know, kind of, whatever you want to call it, psychedelic culture. Yeah. Every time someone has some mind-blowing revelation about the future or about humanity having a, a time of spiritual awakening and yes. transformation, it's after they've done a shitload of shrooms. Yeah, now, speaking as someone who has done very large doses of mushrooms. You have. I was... Uh, actually, uh, a dosage recommended by Terrence McKenna. Uh-huh. Not in person. He was dead at the time. I was at that party. I was chaperoning. Yeah, you yeah. fucking were. You weren't chaperoning the party. You were a guest at the party. You were chaperoning my fucked up ass. If and when you do a lot of psychotropic drugs, it's good to have a friend who's just drunk watching your back. <laughs> That's a good lesson. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's I a was, good lesson. I was just drunk, okay? He yeah. was on the shrooms. Yeah. So, yeah. So that was the day that I took five dry grams of mushrooms uh-huh. and my pants off. Correct. And, uh... Yeah. Now, I can understand why after doing that, uh-huh. Terrence McKenna might think, Okay, I've cracked the whole universe thing. Right. Um, now, did you see Time Wave Zero? I did. Okay. It was okay. Yeah? I mean, it was pretty sweet. Did it calculate the ebb and flow of novelty? No. Okay. It definitely doesn't do that. Did it tell you about the teleological attractor at the end of time? Uh... Yeah, no, it doesn't do that. The one that increases interconnectedness, eventually reaching a singularity of infinite complexity in the year 2012. Well, I mean, like, there is a thing that does that, but not then. It's, it's, it's not like, it's not on a schedule. It's not like, I mean, there's definitely a thing that does that, but it's not like we're moving towards it. It's not in... It, it, it definitely had less intent than whatever Terrence McKenna thought he saw. The problem with McKenna's whole theory is that he had... In the 60s or 70s, he had this guy design a computer program. Yeah. And for a mathematical program, you need to plug in the variables. Yeah. Like, one of his variables was, like, the bombing of Hiroshima. Yeah. And that is incredibly arbitrary, not just on Earth, but also if you're factoring in the entire universe. Yeah, no, I'm sure that, you know, other planets... If there are aliens on another planet who had access to this technology... Yeah. They would have tried it out... Also, that shit's happening inside every star all the time. But yeah, the bombing of Hiroshima isn't even the first time we discovered how to harness nuclear fission. No, we... It's the first time we used it to kill a bunch of people. Yeah, but we did a bunch of tests first. You kind of have to. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's an arbitrary date to start calculating from. Yeah, I mean... And the thing McKenna did is his original computer program... It, it, it pinpointed around, like, November, like, last month. Oh, well, it's... And then he heard about the Mayan yeah, 13th Bakhtun and yeah. said, oh, it's probably that, yeah, is what it meant. I mean, it's December now, so clearly it didn't happen last month. Right. Just because I feel like I would have remembered that. Oh, uh, yeah. 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 Yeah, no, I, I didn't even have any, like, weird dreams last month, so... No. no. It was a pretty quiet month. Yeah. Went to a parade, climbed up. Yeah, we weren't there for it, though. I mean, we, yeah. I mean, we were there at the parade, but we were not... Where the clown was. Right. Yeah, we talked about that on the show. But, so. yeah, but yeah, so you're saying you didn't learn any uh, uh, amazing truths about the ultimate destiny of the universe under uh, the shrooms. Oh, under the shrooms. I thought you meant last month. Definitely no. Okay. On the shrooms, uh, not the destiny of the universe. I mean, like, I learned about, you know, what the universe would look like if, if there weren't atoms fucking up everything, you know, getting in the way. But, but... The, yeah, the thing about, and this is mostly just because people like Timothy Leary got shut down by the government, 
is we don't have good research on this. That you have, correct me if I'm wrong, but you have no real evidence of whether you were commuting with uh, forces beyond your own mind, yeah. or whether your your brain was just doing jumping jacks. Yeah, no, I mean, it definitely felt like I was everybody, uh-huh. but at the same time, it's like, who knows? You know, maybe I wasn't. I mean, I've talked to not everybody since then, but people, and none of them remember being me, so... Yeah, you think uh, they would at some point. I don't even remember being you, and I've known you for like a decade. You were there at the party. That's true. Well, the point is that, yeah, no, uh, there was a a lot of research on, you know, the, uh, on psychedelic drugs in the 60s, and then they were all shut down, and just now, just in the last few years, like, that field is just barely limping back to life, like, in the in the most tiny, like not exactly underground. It's all above board, but like you know, it's very difficult to get anything done. Yeah, and it, that's just like the field has basically been reverted to its infancy and has to start over again. Right. Because even even if you know you look at the research done in the sixties, yeah, it's like you're not allowed to be a respectable researcher now without looking at that and being like, oh well, these people were crazy. Yeah, we have to do the same shit they did though. Right. It's like, just because they were crazy doesn't mean we shouldn't do exactly what they did. We just, you know, part of getting funding means we have to say we don't like them. Yeah, pretty much. Politics. Exactly. I I think the point of of McKenna and any kind of new agey thing that is expecting some sort of awakening, etc., is we can't disprove it, but it's not a compelling argument. It's not really giving us any evidence to go on. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like... Let's say we get to December 22nd and it feels like nothing has happened. Yeah. But then, you know, you go into your your local uh your local pagan shop, you know, they've got the uh kava kava and and weird daggers with weird resin dragons on the handle. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know? Okay. And like that store. Yeah. You go to that store and the guy at the counter's like, "Oh my god, did you feel that last night?" And I'm like, "I'm I don't know if you did, man. <laughs> you know? But and it, it, it's like, no, no, totally. Something happened. The world totally shifted. It's going to change now. And it's like, I, I don't think the shift was fast or dramatic enough to count. You always have to beware of posers within the kind of mystical community. Oh, yeah. Because you're always going to run to that 19-year-old who tells you he achieved enlightenment. Yeah. And you just wouldn't understand, man. Yeah, no. It's like, no. I, I, I don't think so. No, you didn't, yeah, okay? I, I, yeah. The Buddha <laughs> bummed around being a loser for like 10 years before he got anywhere, okay? Yeah. So you need to go out there and lose for a while. <laughs> <laughs> and just to wrap it up, uh, uh, while we can't disprove uh, Mystical Awakening, uh, yeah. we can very definitely disprove any of the actual, like, apocalyptic bullshit that people have tried to tack on to the Mayans. Oh, yeah. Mayan stuff they didn't predict. Yeah, like... Now, NASA not- has a whole page going through every single prediction. Uh, you know, the asteroids and the meteors and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Nothing's coming at us. Uh, the Nibiru theory, the, like, fake nemesis rogue planet, there are rogue planets. Yeah. There are none nearby. The reason you know there are none nearby is because planetary masses are very reflective at close distances. Yeah. We would see it in the sky right now. Oh, It yeah. would be as bright as the moon. If it was close enough to see, or if it was close enough to kill us. Yeah, light would, would be reflecting off of it very brightly. It would be a big thing in the sky. Exactly. Like, not even like, you know how they say, oh, you can see Mars, and if you squint really hard, there's one star that looks a little bit redder than the others? Yeah. Not like that. No, like a thing the size of the moon... Exactly. Except it's another planet. Yeah. 
And and the whole thing about the um, the sun's active cycle, the sun's on an eleven year cycle yeah. of high activity. Mm-hmm. This is actually one of the weakest high activity points on record. We are at the top point okay. of solar activity, and it's doing very little. And so, frankly, if that shit's happening every eleven years, it's been happening every eleven years for billions of years. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's, yeah. it's you know, I don't remember you know the devastating solar flare eleven years ago. Uh, no, well, there was one in the 1800s um, before we had like computers and satellites and stuff. Yeah. It would have been very devastating. Okay. The point is, there's not one super devastating that's going to come on Friday. There you go. Yeah, there will probably be solar flares sometime in our planet's future that will be devastating. Well, fuck but, that, because I'm getting a new computer soon. So. Well, it's not going to happen this time. Good. Maybe 11 years from now. Well, it'll be obsolete by then. Yeah. Yeah. So don't worry about it. I think we're good, yeah. No. Yeah. I um, mean, like... You're fine. Yeah. The world's certainly. not going to end on Friday. Yeah, worst case scenario is some kind of massive psychic awakening. And frankly, I feel like our fans are weird people. Uh-huh. And the weird thrive in that situation. Oh, you yeah. Know? I like, feel like you people would be fine. Like, okay, if we wake up and everyone's, like, got their fucking spirit animal sitting on their shoulder talking to them or whatever... That'd be cool. Yeah, now Mitt Romney's going to freak the hell out. <laughs> Okay, he's I gonna, would pay good money to see that. He's going to be like, why is there this glittering vulture sitting on me? You know? <laughs> but I'm going to wake up, and I'm going to be like, what's up, ghost penguin? Yeah. Yeah. Kick so, ass. Exactly. Hello, animal friend. Yeah. It's like, hey, I got a pal now. Okay, cool. Yeah, dude. I would love a familiar. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So, so yeah. You know, so I think our fans are ready for that in a way that normal people aren't. Yeah, and there is some concern. Some people are legitimately worried and depressed and even suicidal over this kind of stuff. Don't be. Yeah. You're not doomed. Like, let's get right down to it. If the world is actually that fucked, Uh you 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 can kill yourself afterwards. Yeah, you don't need to hedge your bets on that one. Yeah, no, yeah. It's, you can you can wait it out, and if it gets bad, then you'd be like, oh, whew, whew, time to do this, you know? I think the ultimate lesson here, Yeah, don't let the turkeys get you down. Don't let the turkeys get you down. you no. got to fly like an eagle, not be like a turkey. Yeah. 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 All right. All right. But um, just in case the world does end. Yeah. Just in case the world does end. One more thing we got to get out there. Yeah. There is a song that I found a number of years ago uh-huh. that I have been trying to shoehorn into this show <laughs> pretty much since we since we began. Okay. okay? Yeah. And it's a, it's a little song from 1920-something. Uh, the 20s, yeah. I've told people about it. They don't believe it's real. It's by a woman named Virginia Liston. This, she was real. She was a real lady. She's uh, got a Wikipedia page. Yeah, she sang all over vaudeville in the 20s. Yes. So, ladies and gentlemen, to close the show, Miss Virginia Liston singing, You can dip your bread in my gravy, but you can't have none of my chops. Johnson said, you can dip your bread in my gravy, but you 
This has been a production of the Beak Podcasting Network. Visit thebeak.org to learn more about this and other quality podcasts. Seriously, guys, so awesome.